everyone, and welcome to episode 164 of the Savvy Girls Podcast. This is Melanie, and I am so jet-lagged, I barely know where I am, but I am currently podcasting from Alberta, from the couch where I seem to have a permanent groove whenever I'm here. But I am so tired, I just finished this long trip. This this here is episode three of three of the travel, travel podcast episodes, mostly chatting with other people, because people had a lot to say on this trip. So I will let them, and partly me, go ahead, and I'm so tired, sit back, put your knitting needles somewhere where you won't roll over on them as you sleep the sleep of a weary traveler, and enjoy the show. And I say, hey, 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 it's just an ordinary day, and it's all your state of mind. At the end of the day, you just got to say it's all right. Hello, everyone. This is Melanie, and welcome to another episode of the Savvy Girls Podcast. All right, I have been an awful podcaster. I have been traveling, and these last couple of podcasts have indeed been travel podcasts, but I admit I haven't talked a lot, or pretty much at all, about what I've been doing. And so I'm going to give, oh, it's been 15 days, and it's all sort of a blur, so I'm going to give a quick recap if I can. So the first nine, ten or so days, I don't even remember, I was traveling around the United Kingdom performing my show Stitch in Time and my other show Opera Mouse, two of the many shows that I perform. And I performed in Portsmouth, Beverly, Haven't, Leeds, that's all. I performed in all those places. Each concert was wonderful. I've written about all of them. I put up pictures check out our Facebook page. So anyway, I perform those concerts. I've been an awful podcaster, but I have interviewed people along the way, as you will have heard. And then I went to London. I have been doing these secret assessments of certain things like restaurants or hotels. And I did one in London. No, and then I did one right outside of London. It was a place where, where Bis Bice Percy Shelley used to live. And now I am in Cappadocia, Turkey. Now, I'm an awful person because I'm going to admit I did never, I did never, <laughs> I, I didn't ever have any interest in coming to Turkey. It was just one of those places I never wanted to go. For me, it seemed dirty and inconvenient. Clearly, as I sit here in one of the most beautiful places I have ever seen in my life, that is not true. So, okay, I haven't really been to Istanbul. The airport was beautiful. I don't know anything at all about the city, really. But here I am in Cappadocia. Actually, okay, the city is made up of three cities. So I was in Gurum the first couple, the first night I was in a hotel. And now I'm in a different hotel up on the hill by this ancient castle. And I'm looking over these valleys with these old mounds, large rock mounds are these special geographic formations that have been hollowed out over the past thousands of years by people. So it's like looking at the suburbs, the ancient suburbs, but now from my own private love balcony. So I guess you've just been caught up. That was easy. <laughs> Tomorrow I am flying to Paris just for a day to go to two restaurants, actually. That's all. And then I'm going to Prague to see my friends. And because what is a trip unless it somehow ends up in Prague? Right. So, what is there to talk about? 
Cappadocia, it is actually knitting related. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. See, I'm talking about knitting, Deborah. If you, you know, were listening, which you're probably not, she promises she'll be on the next one. Anyway, okay, so I'm here in Cappadocia. I did not know that this had any kind of tradition of knitting, any kind of tradition of crochet or needlework. I did not know Turkey. It was a thing in Turkey, but apparently it is. So I walked downtown and I was looking at all of the things made in China, as one does, and thinking, wow, is there anything except for Turkish delight that's, that's actually authentic to here? And then I noticed a big pile of knit, hand-knit slippers. And I thought, wait a minute. And I walked a little further and I noticed a huge rack of hand-crocheted dolls. And I thought, wait a minute. Then I walked a little further and there was an entire store of beaded, but not just beaded, sort of woven beaded bracelets. And I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute, everybody. This is a handicraft town, but it's, it's a handicraft town and no one seems to know about it, which is pretty neat. So coming up, I actually have a couple interviews. One woman from the beaded store. I talked to her again today. I talked to her yesterday. I bought something like half her store and it's a short interview. Her English is not wonderful. However, what I thought is very interesting is she started this business of creating jewelry, of of crocheting on the side of shawls, of doing all that sort of thing several years ago. And she has a staff of something like 60 women now. She creates her own designs. She employs women and she exports a lot of what she makes. And it's beautiful. I, I love that there are still crafts like this, not crafts like crafts, but crafts as in my craft going on. I think that's really special. I love the fact that I found it. Although I've heard from a couple other knitters, that means you, Karen. And well, she's a crocheter. And okay, apparently it is a thing. People do know about it, but I didn't know about it. And it certainly isn't. I don't think it's on the craft tourism radar. Maybe it is. I haven't seen any knitters though. So actually I haven't seen any, anybody because this town is basically empty apart from tour groups from China. Apparently they either didn't get the memo or the memo was in English because there are tons of tour groups from China and nobody else. It is, it actually is kind of interesting. Maybe they didn't get the memo. It's maybe that the few couple of terror attacks in Turkey perhaps did not make the news over there to the extent that they made the news here. By here, I mean North America and Europe because they don't seem to care. And the people I talked to at home seem very, very concerned because, you know, it's dangerous. It's not dangerous. I, I might, I don't mean this in exactly the same way I said that Sudan wasn't dangerous because um, it wasn't, but it could be. This place is fine. It's fine. You can walk around uncovered. It is, I'm just going in, it's windy outside. You can walk around uncovered. It's, you can say you're Jewish. It's okay. I was actually in a cab with a, a guy, not a guy I picked up, but I was in a cab, well, actually kind of, with Jorge, a guy I met, and we were in a cab and the driver turns to him and says, hey, you look Jewish. And he said, oh, actually, I'm, I'm Venezuelan. And I said, hey, but I'm Jewish. And it was not negative at all, which is actually kind of interesting, very interesting. So anyway, this woman started a business. I bought a bunch of bracelets. I also like the fact that although in some stores you do bargain, you do not have to barter. Or rather, there are a lot of fixed price stores, including hers. And honestly, it's just easier. It's easier. If you don't really love something or if you have a lot of money, great bargain. 
but I want to know if I can afford it before I love it, or rather how much I can't afford it before I love it, and then I make a decision based on that. Or just buy it for mom for a birthday present, which uh, was one of the things I did. Okay, so that was yesterday. I bought a bunch of things from her store. I bought some knitted slippers because they were only 10 Turkish lira, which is something like 450 American dollars. And I thought, hey, knitted slippers take a long time and it's real wool. You can smell that it's real wool and the colors were pretty neat. They're yellow and brown. So I thought, score, I've got myself some knitwear. And I bought a little crocheted wallet for myself because irony. And also it's, it's really neat that the crochet is a thing here. And then today I actually, I'm staying four miles away up this hill in this other place. And I actually ended up going back down just to buy more jewelry, beaded, pretty beaded, knotted jewelry, because it's so pretty and it's so inexpensive. It was under $2 a bracelet and they're not simple bracelets. So anyway, I have now spent all the money there is on beaded bracelets, but I was walking down the street trying to figure out, hmm, should I buy a lamp? I don't need a lamp. Maybe I need a lamp. And I passed a tree full of hand-knit socks, a sock tree. And I thought, huh, what's going on? So it turns out the woman who owns this jewelry store and the tree, she is a knitter. She owns a jewelry store. She is from Germany. And actually her father, who is a prisoner of war during the Second World War, but a German prisoner of war, which is something you don't often hear about. He was taken prisoner by the Russians, as she will just she's just about I've just given it away. Anyway, he taught her to knit. She knits. Basically, she's she's just bored. She's bored. She spends a lot of time sitting in her store. She knits these socks and she sells them for it's four dollars a sock, four dollars for a sock. And for the baby socks, they were under a dollar twenty-five. I just I can't even. Why bother knitting a sock? Why bother buying yarn to knit a sock? There is no reason. Save your money. Fly here. Hunt down the sock tree because it's there. She said she's going to start knitting to fill it back up again. I didn't buy everything, but I bought the best socks, the two best pair, and then the little kids pair. But she's going to have it chock full of new fruit of the socks, and you want to come back. So save your money. Don't buy yarn. Come here instead and buy socks from her sock tree. Now, without going on and on about the hotel I'm at, because it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. There are a couple quirky things that I thought I would bring up about this hotel. Actually, no. First, I alluded that I picked up a guy. For the record, he has a husband. I It was kind of neat. I went up to watch the sunset. There's this sunset point. Oh, it's so romantic. But it was near my first hotel. So after I started stopped vomiting at the the romance of sunset point, I went up there you know, elbowed the couples out of the way, watched the sunset, and the couples went off to do what they do, probably eat or fight. And there were four of us sort of left there. And the four of us, there were three guys and I, we looked around, we looked at one another, looked at one another, and one of the guys said, hey, what are you doing now? And, and the rest of us said, I don't know, what are you doing now? And we ended up all going for dinner together, which was really fun. Turns out one of the guys is in his mid-20s, this... He's from Argentina, just traveling the world. So he's gone. He left the next day. Another guy was from Colombia. He was in his early 30s, traveling the world with his aunt, his tia. She wanted to travel. She wanted a companion. So she brought him along and he brought her along to suffer. So it was kind of fun. There were four of us. 
Crazy Young Things and Tia. And then there's And then there's Jorge, my new bestie, my my Turkish bestie, although he's technically from Venezuela. And we spent the day together the day after, which was so much fun. And that is a perk from traveling alone that I have not seen in a long time because I suppose I when I travel alone I've been I don't know why I used to. I guess because I'm not staying in hostels and I'm not really doing things where you meet up with people who are also traveling alone. Not that I thought Sunset Point would be that place. But anyway, so we spent the day together. But okay, he's gone. I'm in this hotel and the hotel has a few quirky things. The first quirky thing. Oh, the first ironic thing is they made my bed today. It's a giant king size bed, but they know I'm the only person here. They folded a towel in the shape of a heart and put red roses all over it. And I walked in and I looked at it and I thought, oh, oh, thanks a lot, guys. So there's that. Also, there is no one basically in this hotel, which um, it can be awkward at times. At breakfast this morning, there were six serving staff, the manager, the guest services manager, and me. They weren't eating. They were watching attentively to see if I needed anything. Now, I had gone to bed at approximately 3.45 because of the imam calling people to prayer. It's Ramadan, and so that happens all night. And there's a drum. I think it announces the beginning and end of the last meal, but it, there's a drum. There's the imam. There are chickens. There are dogs. There are cats. And the baby sparrows get up really early and start calling. So I dropped off around 3.45. My alarm was set for 4.45 to watch the hot air balloons. Every morning at dawn, basically everyone, every tourist except for me, goes up in a hot air balloon to watch the sunrise. It was just kind of pricey. I didn't do it. Maybe I should have done it, but I didn't do it. I'll have to come back, I guess. So I basically had no sleep. Fell back into bed after watching the hot air balloons. Fell asleep for a couple of hours. Got up, stumbled to breakfast. I thought, okay, it's probably a buffet. I'll have some tea. I'll have some toast. Maybe some more toast. No, no, a full Turkish breakfast. And a full Turkish breakfast at a five-star hotel involves approximately 14 little bowls filled with different things. There were three types of olives. I don't know how many types of cheese. Maybe four types of cheese. Um... A honeycomb. I actually ate most of the honeycomb. That was my breakfast. Two baskets full of buns. Chopped up cucumber and peppers. And also, no, it was chopped up cucumbers and tomatoes. And then another bowl of other tomatoes. And it just kept going and going. There was yogurt this and other yogurt chunks that. And I just looked at it and I thought, it's all for me. There's a whole pot, an open bowl rather, full of jam, and I'm expected to consume it. And I think the waiter felt sorry for me because he kept coming over and he called me lady. So he'd come over and he'd say, lady, do you want more anything? Can I get you more bread? And I'm sitting there looking at the food and weeping inside because I'm too tired to eat anything but honeycomb. So that was kind of an awkward breakfast, especially when I think, I forget his name, Fazal, I think, took the camera and decided he needed to take photos to commemorate my wonderful solo breakfast, but he, he wouldn't give it back. He had it for about four or five minutes, trying to shoot me from different angles. And I have face plague. I look awful. 
I looked even more awful then. And so I, it was maybe not the most relaxing breakfast, but the view is beautiful. The view is amazing. I'm at the top of a mountain looking down. It is, it is absolutely exquisite. But okay, quirky things about the hotel. Well, first there's a hammam. As with most hotels here, there is a hammam attached and I've talked about that in Morocco. And to be honest, I think I like the Moroccan idea better because, you know, they basically scrub your skin off. But they, they used sort of, they used a cream. I, I believe in Morocco they put a cream on, like one of those seven-day scrubs on your face. But they had it has little teeny, teeny stones sort of things. And they rub that in and that helps to get the skin off. Whereas this was just basically a sandpaper mitt. Yeah, it maybe hurt a little. But... It was fine. It was fine. Uh, I think it was another one of those we're all girls here situations where perhaps instead of, I, I'm pretty sure that generally in those situations, one does not end up completely naked. I think I think they're supposed to either cover you or cover them while you're naked, but I was just kind of lying there naked and standing there naked and the lovely young woman who did it was wearing very, very little also. And really, I feel like this should not be, I feel like this is getting dangerously close to a theme to some kind of movie you'd have to download, you know, when your family's out of town. But it really kind of felt like that. And that was okay. Totally okay. So there was that. That was lovely. Oh, mom. Yeah, that was wonderful. And <laughs> they also have a salt room here. And I don't understand it. It is a room filled with salt. The walls are salt. The ceiling is salt. The floor is made of salt. It is air conditioned with a beach chair and magazines on a table. And I think you're just supposed to sit there surrounded by salt and something happens. I don't know. So there's that, the salt room. Then there is the adventure shower. And... I think my life will never be the same after this adventure shower. So it's in the swimming area. There's a swimming pool and it's off the pool and you turn a little corner and you turn another little corner and you end up in this cubby. And I guess it's sort of concrete. Some of the hotel is concrete. Some of it's actually carved into the rock. So it's either stone or concrete. You can't really tell because it's dark. And you go in and you press a button and the lights turn from nothing to sort of red pink. And in the dim light, you look around and you can see vines hanging. You can see branches sticking out. So you step forward by these branches, by these vines. And all of a sudden, rain starts pouring down, like you're in the rainforest. So it's not a gentle shower. It's more just like an onslaught of really hot water. And then all of a sudden, noises start. You hear... And it goes on and on. It gets louder and louder. And then the lights turn to blue and flash like lightning. And all of a sudden, the hot water turns to cold water. And you're stuck in this in this cubby with hot water and then cold water and then fake thunder. And then you look down. They actually were solicited, solicitous enough to put large plastic bugs on the floor, you know, just for the full experience, for the full adventure. And it's just, it is amazing. I don't know why this is not a family-friendly place. There is no theme park attached to it. There is no reason for this adventure shower. I'm so confused. 
but I think I'm going to go in it again right now. So yeah, that's what I'm up to. I will keep podcasting from now on, I promise. And that's all for now. The next two interviews take place in Turkey, in Cappadocia, Turkey. The first is with the owner of a small store in the middle of the city, and this store sells handmade items, knitting items, crochet items. I'm going to talk more about these on the next podcast because I basically bought the entire store. But this woman is a knitter, a crocheter, uh, maybe a macrameer. She, macramist, she is a wonderful crafter and she has taught other women in the community to craft and this is an income stream for them, which is fantastic. And the second interview is with a woman originally from Germany who now r runs a jewelry shop in Cappadocia and who is also a knitter and who specializes in socks. <laughs> I am in the city of Gorem, right? Yeah, Gorem. Gorem. And I have met a woman who is a crochet expert. Yeah. So tell me about what you're making. What are you making? This, uh, this, I can, uh, this, uh, or glasses. Uh, ah, it keeps on the yeah, glasses. Yeah. And you designed, we're in a store yeah, and yeah. it's full of beautiful, beautiful jewelry. And you designed this? Yes, uh, my sister together making design. My sister together work. Uh, wow. Fifteen years ago, I can uh, hobby making, not selling, just hobby making. I like after uh, every people where you like it, uh, every people ask what is this. I can jewelry making, a very good business today. Many country order making. Wow. Yeah, I send online selling every time. It, it's just the things are just beautiful. And Thank who you very much. who taught you? How did you learn? Uh, my mom. Wow. Yeah. Before, uh, just uh, traditional scarf making, do you know, Turkish culture clothes. Yes, with the, with the side. Yeah, I think maybe here, tourists coming, maybe tourists not close, uh, this jewelry making, maybe every people buy, really, very good. Three years, slowly, slowly start after very big business, small shop, after big shop open, <laughs> other country, uh, people together work. Very good business. Every woman very happy. Do you know? It gets work to women also. Yeah, six to women together work. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And what is? I ha I will put the web page. I will put the the web page address on the internet. Yeah, internet. Internet. Yeah, so internet. Uh, yeah. Sometime uh, uh, my customer coming here. This new design, new contact uh, oh. making. Sometime coming. Sometime internet working. Well, I'm so excited to buy things, so thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Here I am in Cappadocia, 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 and who, is, who are you? 
Uh, my name is Linda. Linda, I knew you from Turkey. No, I'm originally German. From where? Uh, Bavaria. Beautiful, beautiful area. And uh, the socks, which uh, in here. Uh, my grandfather teached me to do this kind really? of Really? Yeah. How? Because, uh, my grandfather, he stood in the Second World War in Russian. So he was in a Russian camp? Yes. Uh, prison. Right, Russian prison. Yeah, exactly. And in this person, he learned to knit socks, and he teached it to his uh, angry daughters, granddaughters, my sister and me, and uh, I like to knit his socks. And who taught him? Was it another prisoner? Don't, don't ask me. I okay. have no idea. <laughs> Normally, he didn't talk about this time. But he talks about knitting. Yes, yes. he teached. <laughs> so... Yes. Um, where do you get your wool? You were telling me you do not buy wool here. No, here in uh, Gorome you cannot find. Yeah. And uh, every year I go for a few weeks to Germany, and that's why, especially the baby wool, I buy in Germany. And uh, uh, that one is from uh, Belgium. My Belgian friend brought it to ah, me. Ah, it's pink. And you yeah. said this one came from Germany. Too. Germany. Yeah. And that one is from Turkey. You see it on the color, it's very bright color. That's an adult sock, right? Uh, no. Oh, I may have to try it on. It's bright, it's bright pink and I love it. I didn't see it before. Yeah, that one is from Turkey, it's from Sida. Oh. I bought it in Sida, Seaside. But here in Kapatogo, of course, in Urbuk or in Nepshi, you can find the shops. Uh, there you can find uh, wool or here on the bazaar. And do you knit from a pattern or do you just you know how to do the socks now? Uh, I do it uh, how I feel it. You just, okay. <laughs> the size, I, I have some measure. And you knit from the bottom to the top or the top no, to the bottom? The top to the bottom. Ah. There are a lot of people who listen to this show who say that it's too scary to come to Turkey. Can you tell them that it's not? It is beautiful. People should come. Uh, I like, I, I would like it to tell the people. In the first, it's not really dangerous because so much government tells uh, the people it's, uh, it's uh, dangerous to go in a... Muslim country in Turkey is not more dangerous than another country. Mm -hmm. yeah? Yes. And uh, Cappadocia especially, it's amazing. It is so beautiful. I just had a chicken chasing me down the road. <laughs> um, that was I thought maybe I'd die from chicken. <laughs> but otherwise, it's a beautiful place. But it's empty. People need to come. Uh, we have less tourists this year. Yes. So next year, everyone come and bring I their hope, knitting. I hope we have more tourists because uh, the economy goes down and it's not good. No. So the people are not and happy. Of course. And not happy people, it's a not happy country and not happy country is not good. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Do you make friends with other knitters here? Do the knitters talk to each other about knitting? Uh, here in the... Uh, yeah. Not so much contact. Okay, so there's not a big knitting group at all. No, no, no. no okay. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, a, a connection for this kind of stuff here. Oh, what is that called? I couldn't figure it out. 
it's sort of needlework, but there is there is a word for it. Yeah, but I don't know because that one, my friend Patricia from Switzerland is doing. Oh, <laughs> well, Patricia is cat talented. That is beautiful. Yes, it's really nice work. Really fine work what she's doing. But you have hung all of your socks on a tree outside. It is a sock tree, and I am going to pick some socks off your sock tree. <laughs> It's nice. Thank you. So thank you so much. You're welcome. The next set of interviews I have took place in London and on an airplane. Now. We'll start with the ones in London. There's one interview with a colleague of Deborah's. We were in a really lovely Lebanese cafe with her colleague, her colleague's wife, another colleague, and his husband, and we got to talk about knitting. So that is that conversation. And the other conversation, I admit, I completely recorded without asking permission. I was in an Uber, and the driver had basically. It's an accent right out of Oliver Twist, and he started talking about knitting. And as soon as he did, I turned the machine on because it was just delightful. And the last interviews on this podcast are a lovely woman sitting beside me on the plane back from Toronto to Edmonton, and her husband, her long-suffering husband of a knitter. So those are the interviews that are coming up here. Consider yourself at home. Consider yourself one of the family. We've taken a you so strong. It's clear we're going to get along. So I'm sitting here with three of Deborah's colleagues, one of their husbands, and two randomly enough flight attendants from tomorrow's flight that I'm going to be on. Holla! And. We have some knitters. I think I'm on the only knitter at the table, though. She, she tried knitting. I made a dish last time. That's the flight attendant. <laughs> Lisa, you've made something. What have you made? Mittens. Mittens with a skull. Wow. So that was in Tarsha. That's pretty advanced. Yeah. Um, I knit shawls and socks. So you have a shawl here. What is it called? I do. It's the. Um, Study striping shawl, and I totally forget the. Do you remember the artist? Is it Stephen West? No, but it looks like a Stephen it West. It does look like a Stephen West shawl, who we love, and all my other shawls are Stephen West. Well, because it really not. did look like it was. You were heading yeah. towards Stephen no, West. No, it's not. Um, and it's done so that it's yellow and gray, and the yellow is hedgehogger hedgehog fibers oh, from Cork. Wow. Do you know that it's an Irish company? Yes, uh, and it's Edgies. called Pollen. And then the gray is just like a fine merino wool. And everyone thinks this is really funny because I'm talking about fibers. And okay, well, what okay. about your socks? And my socks. So I just started doing socks a couple years ago, and socks are brilliant because you can carry them anywhere. Um, so I always have like a sock on the go. <laughs> and the sock I'm working on right now is a yarn called Trailing. Clouds and it is um, mind the gap, so it's self-striping, and it has all the colors of the tube line in London. So it's pretty amazing. It's very colorful. It's like quite rainbow. It's, yeah. So what is your favorite tube line? Um. Oh, I don't have a favorite. We use the Baker Lou quite often. Is that which the is, ugly blue? It, no, it's the ugly brown one. 
Yeah. But you know, so when you're wearing your socks, you're gonna feel feel the love, hate. Mostly the love. Usually when I'm knitting this, when I come to a new color, I'm like, oh, here comes the district line. Or, oh, here comes the circle line. Did you say it out loud? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, um, as sort of a Londoner, you're temporarily in London for a few years. Yeah. What do you go for your yarn? How does it feel um, to be a knitter in this city? Ooh. It's really expensive. It's hard um, to find good quality and expensive yarn there's a couple good stores I like my favorite one so far is in Brighton where I met Stephen West I went to one of his workshops at a yarn store in Brighton I was so starstruck I was I'm, I'm so in love with this guy he's awesome I hey I'm making one of your shawls um, yeah I don't even remember what I said to him but my favorite yarn store is not in London. It's back in Canada. It's called Wabi Sabi. It's in Ottawa. Really? Yeah. It's the most amazing yarn store. And it's kind of... It's funny. We, we travel a lot. And whenever we travel, we always um, look for record stores and yarn stores. So, like, our day is planned around finding, like, the coolest yarn stores, the coolest record stores. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> we are. It gives you a bit of downtime. Yeah. But yeah, since Wabi Sabi, it's kind of ruined it for me because every time I go into a yarn store, I'm just like, meh, it's not, it's not my favorite. It's not the same. So, so you recently got married. Did, yes. And true. Does this mean you have to knit things for your wife and for yourself? <laughs> Wait, will she wear your knitting? Did you shake her head? No, I totally wear her knitting. Okay. Do you okay. wear my knitting? Yeah, totally. She doesn't wear my knitting. <gasps> I've made a couple things for you. You never wear them. Well, it took you three years to make me a pair of socks. Okay, so I'm a bit more of a process knitter, which means like I, I start knitting things and I rarely finish them. But you finished it. You finished it. Yeah, I wear them. You have a couple pairs of socks. And I wear the socks. Yeah, you have a toque and a scarf that you never wear. I don't wear the scarf, but I wear the socks and I wear the hat. And the scarf is a really nice yarn. I can feel the romance right now. What fiber did you use for her really nice scarf? It's um, Illy Manny. It's a merino wool. It's alpaca, one of my favorites, and it's a beautiful red. I rarely keep the stuff I make. I always like give it away. Oh really? Yeah, usually well, you're my best. You're my new best friend. <laughs> usually, when you're making something, you get to the point where it just like feels like it should be for someone that you know, and then it becomes a gift. You. Yeah. You know what I like, which is those things. Um, <laughs> Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank and, you. Um, if, if is there one thing you want to make that you haven't, you're not brave enough about one day? Um, I've never made uh, just a sweater, a simple sweater. I've started, like most things I've started, but I haven't <laughs> finished. Uh, it's just a lot of work. I agree. Yeah. So don't bother. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me it's not true Say it's just a story Something on the news Tell me it's not true Though it's here before 
You don't think people love songs about knitting? Oh, I don't know, maybe if they're over 200, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not songs I wrote, they're songs from the war, so it's okay. Oh, right, okay. So where do you, um, where are you, where are you performing at? Where are you in, Port, in Portsmouth, in, in um, Cavent, in Leeds, in Beverly, just okay. around. In what sort, what kind of venues? Theatres. Oh, in theatres, yeah. And mills, old, old mills. Oh, yeah. And what's the demographic for that kind of thing then? Oh, uh, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Over 200. Yep. <laughs> someone, yeah, exactly, yeah, like you say, someone's got to do it, eh? Hey? Exactly. Yeah. I don't know, I feel that young men could appreciate a good song about knitting. Oh, well, I did, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I used to enjoy a bit of knitting myself when I was a kid. Really? <laughs> so who taught you? My nan used to try and teach me how to do it. <laughs> and what did she have, you knit jumpers, or...? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, just, just, just knitting, just, just nothing particular, just knitting a bit of like, you know, nothing, basically, just, just learning the basics of knitting. And so you're a more sensitive man because of it? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I, I would imagine that knitting is probably not as popular anymore, is it, as, as maybe what it used to be? Surprisingly, it can be, it depends. Really? There is, there's a lot, especially here in London, there are a lot of very attractive women and men who knit. Yeah? Yes. I mean, I knit. Yeah? What kind of things? Scarves, uh, jumpers, mostly cardigans? Hats. hats. Yeah? Yep. A cardigan's a big commitment. Is it? You have to buy buttons. <laughs> I'll tell you what, my aunt's mum, so like from the other side of the family, she was really good at knitting. She could like do all like the jumpers, cardigans, and she could do all the kind of different patterns within it and all that, yeah. Wow. Yeah, she was quite good at it, she was. Oh, she's not too, but she, I bet she wasn't 200. No, she was 300. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you're one, of, you're one of those people we need to convince that knitting is still cool. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I mean, it's, it is what it is, I suppose. If anyway, people enjoy doing it, I suppose it's probably quite relaxing, isn't it? It can be, and, and if people harass you, you poke them with your sticks. That's it, yeah. Yeah. That was one of the first presents I remember buying my nan, as it goes for Christmas, when I was younger, was like a, like a knitting kit out of Argos. It was like a bag, it was like a long kind of slim bag that fitted all your needles and all your bits and pieces in it. <laughs> and she loved it? Absolutely loved it, she did. <laughs> That's lovely, you found something she really cared about and you gave her a present. Yeah, yeah. So how often do you knit then? Like All the time, do you? Like once you finish an item, you start uh again and start making something else? Yes. Yeah. I'm not knitting now. Well, I'm, I'm knitting a shawl because I'm 300, but I'm not knitting currently in, in this Uber at this moment. So that's something, right? This is your little break, yeah? This is my, I didn't want to embarrass him. So <laughs> you can't knit in public too much. It brings down the property value of the people you're with. <laughs> is that what you do for a living and you sing, is it? Is that, is yep. that it is, yeah? Yeah. Not always knitting, but. Not always about knitting. But sometimes about. Sometimes sewing. Or crochet or spinning. <laughs> or just French songs about love, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, that might be a bit more up my street. The French part or the love part? Uh, the love. Ah. <laughs> so what kind of music do you sing? Uh, I thought you wouldn't want to hear my sing, honestly. You probably never want to get an Uber again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like my music, though. And I do, I, I do actually sing, but only to myself. Like, what kind of songs? Um... Um, probably my favourite kind of music is probably Motown. Motown? I love Motown music. What yeah. about opera? Uh, I like Phantom of the Opera. Okay. 
That's sort of opera. Kind of. It's pretty um, sensitive music, though. Yeah. That's what I said about the love part. Right. And I think the French comes in there as well, doesn't it? I think, is it, is it like the French Opera House or something? Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a Opera Garnier. It is, yes, it's the yeah. Paris Opera House. Yeah, I've seen that. So how many times have you seen Phantom? I've only actually seen the show once. But since um, watching the show, I've watched the film about four times. Wow. And I downloaded the album and I listened to it all the time, to be honest, the music. And I find it quite relaxing. And you don't listen to any other musicals? That's your one? Les Miserables is uh, pretty good. Yeah, somebody said that to me, actually. They said if I liked Phantom of the Opera, they said I'd probably like that one as well. To um, download the soundtrack to that. Uh, was it called Les Miserables or something? It's, yeah, just think of miserable people. Les Miserables. Yes, Les Miserables. <laughs> Yeah, someone else did say it to me. They said if I like Phantom of the Opera, I'd probably really enjoy that as well. Or you could listen to real opera. What, the proper stuff? Yes, the proper stuff. Yeah, I'd probably enjoy it. I, feel, I think I do. I find that kind of thing quite relaxing. You know, with all the stress of London life and all the traffic, you know, I think listening to something like that would probably just sort of relax you a little bit, you reckon? Yeah, you know what else would relax you? Go on. Knitting. Knitting? Oh, I bet it would. I'll see if I can dig out the old knitting needles and see if I can give it a go, eh? There you go. You can knit yourself a jumper. on the plane and I found a knitter. So where are you from? I'm from Birmingham, UK. And how long have you been knitting? About 18 months. <laughs> That's pretty good actually. So what do you knit? Uh, fairly, fairly plain things. Mostly um, patches for blankets which knit up quite quickly and I really, really love to do them. All the lovely colours, bright and colours. What kind of wool do you use? What kind of yarn? Uh, mostly double. It's it's easier for me, and it's quite cheap to buy locally in all the you know different beautiful colours. So, what is it like if, to be a knitter in Birmingham? What what is it like? Are there yarn stores? Are there other knitters? Are you all alone on an island, basically being the only knitter? How does it feel? No, no. My my granddaughter does um, knitting, crocheting and she has goes to all the craft fairs and takes all her wares with her and she makes fabulous lovely little things and she has a website, well, what's the website? it's called Katie's Funky Things <laughs> and she goes to all the festivals like Glastonbury and uh, has well, a stall there and, uh, and does quite well So her things didn't get all muddy at Glastonbury? She didn't go this year oh. Luckily she, she couldn't get in the field she needed to be in, so she uh, went, she's going to WOMAD instead, which is another really nice festival. So you're exploring Canada. Are you going to any of the yarn stores? Well, I would if I, if I was allowed, but really I don't think I will be. <laughs> you are. <laughs> and you were saying you have a season to get to the yarn stores? Oh, yes. 
I, I support the big bags of <laughs> two pound, two for three pound, or three for two pound, or whatever we get, and the colourings. But she mm-hmm. does wonderful colour mixtures. Mm-hmm. And does she knit anything for you? Oh no. No. Well, actually, yes. It's a big double double blanket. The last one I made, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. It is. It is. She does a lot for the family. And in fact, yeah. um, because this isn't going to go out until we've gone, in our case is a blanket for my sister as a treat. Because yeah. we're going to celebrate a big 70th birthday. It's between them. That's exciting. Yeah. 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 That's when we're in Calgary. When we're in Calgary. So, yeah. so you brought the blanket with you? Yes. From, from the UK? Yes. Wow. Yes. That's a lot of blankets. <laughs> it is, yes. You know these sucky up tube things? Right. It's in one of those. Yeah. Take the air out. And it weighs less. So how does it feel to be married to a knitter? A crochet. Uh, a crochet as well. It's very peaceful. <laughs> <laughs> and have you ever been tempted? Me? Oh. <laughs> no, I think my, my expertise is elsewhere. Like tatting? Um, no. No, planning holidays. Oh. That's my... Forte. Uh, we're about to take off, so thank you so much. Thank You're you. very welcome. Thank you. So kiss me and smile for me. Tell me that you'll wait for me. Hold me like you'll never let me go. Cause I'm leaving on a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back. I hate to go All right, so here I am with David David is the man who basically signs his paycheck over to the knitting store This is very true And we're sitting here on the plane And um, he told me he had an accordion story So um, please tell your story Hi Um, We were reminiscing about the war and talking about Dunkirk and I was talking about my father who was over in uh, Belgium before Dunkirk evacuated and he's a very good accordionist, very good musician and he had a a German accordion, funnily enough and he was on his way back and he was only able to bring certain things on the boat because obviously they were very small boats and you couldn't bring everything you wanted so his accordion was abandoned in Dunkirk which is very sad because he really enjoyed it well and did he ever hear about it again or was... no it uh, I think it probably went to one of the German people who arrived and yeah I mean the Germans the German people are more into accordions probably than the UK people so you know uh, it was probably snaffled up by Oberlieutenant Schmidt. Right. And did your father ever get another accordion? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, he did. Um, he played it in, uh, in Germany when we, when we lived in Germany, and he played in a skiffle group. Wow. If you go back to skiffle, which was a washboard, accordion, and a tea box with a thing on it for the big bass. Wow, you both the stories. <laughs> That's a, that's a really great story, and you don't even knit, so this is... <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, thank you. You're welcome. It's neat and it's sweet, it's a ding-dong treat. Little socks for little 
to episode 164 of the Savvy Girls Podcast. The trip is over. Another trip is just about to begin. Deborah's on a trip, so she's going to have things to say, too. There's so much travel going on. But in the meantime, if you'd like to reach us, I am Melanie at podcast... No, Melanie at SavvyGirls.ca. I never get that right. We're on Ravelry Savvy Girls Podcast. We're on Twitter Savvy Girls Podcast. We're on... Facebook, Savvy Girls Podcast. Wow, that's a lot of computer time. Anyway, if you live in Regina, if you live in Winnipeg, I'm probably in Regina now by the time this comes out. In Winnipeg, in Edinburgh, Scotland, in Vancouver, Canada, I am going to be singing in all of those places, plus maybe other places. So drop me a line. Let me know you're around. I'd love to meet you. In the meantime, tend to your knitting, kitten. Shout, I shout if I want to, and do you know why? Why? Because I hate 